0: got breaking news in the National Hockey League on this 338th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. The playoff matchups are set, at least for the first round, obviously, in the National Hockey League. We've got a whole truck of things to talk about. We've got, finally, we've gotten 68 teams down to two in the National Communists Against Athletes men's basketball tournament, and two teams that, realistically, we probably at the beginning of the year wouldn't have thought we're going to be the two teams playing for a championship on monday night in minneapolis but in our little corner of the world here on unscripted with mike and chris we need an update on what happened saturday night in Ed, in calgary excuse me um edmonton oilers all-star all-world superstar connor mcdavid got injured running himself into a into the uh the goalie stand um I can tell you that uh, preliminary indications are that he was taken to a local Calgary hospital for a x-ray last night. Those x-rays were negative, so there is no broken leg there. But as we welcome in the uh, the boss, the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Frick, Chris Fluke, he's got some more info on and some quotes and a whole bunch of things in regard to number 97 of the Edmonton Oilers. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Connor was uh, really worried there. So Connor said that he has
1: never in his career or his life had a lower body injury before. Really? Yeah, which is wonderful. And, you and wouldn't as fast want to... as he is, my God. Well, you'd want to, well, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense then. But yeah, you'd want to start getting into lower body injuries that... Uh... That Would be lower body injuries that would be bad, but anyway, he, he says that when he was sitting there on the ice, you could see him mouth the words it's broken. And he said that he thought his leg was in two pieces, yeah. He really thought it was that bad, but the x rays were negative. He's gonna have an MRI today, probably. Uh, in it back in it, yeah, 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 because they have facilities and <laughs> like they don't money have and machines here today, <laughs> yeah. Mike Jansen, uh, with breaking news today to report that the Saddle Dome <laughs> yeah. doesn't have. Uh what I machine?
0: Heard, right, what I heard last night was that um he had to go, as I mentioned, to a local Calgary hospital because they don't have X ray equipment available at the what is it, the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. I mm-hmm. just always call it the floodplain flames, but they do not have X ray equipment. Uh, on site so they had to put the young man in an ambulance and take him to a hospital that's what I heard last
1: night what a surprise in Nenshiville they're probably probably running out of single ply toilet paper too (laughs) thanks guys anyway Would That's you a be surprised?
0: Place. Would you be surprised? No, nothing surprises no, me anymore. No, nothing anyway. surprises me. I have to bring my toilet paper up from the states. Yeah. I bring some from. <laughs> i bring some back for Chris. Oh boy.
1: Anyway, okay, but yeah, a couple of really great quotes from Connor, who's not known as the most quotable guy. He is uh, sort of an underrated straight shooter. He's just so laid back, and he's just so conditioned. I think mm. his whole life, Good he's word. been conditioned yeah. to be really calm, and just, uh, you know, just kind of get through these interviews, these silly, uh, cliche-laden, silly, horrible questions. Actually, they don't even ask questions anymore, and this is why Tortorella gets frustrated, too. Instead of, he always says, just ask me a question. Ask me a question. Don't just ramble, like, people like Terry Jones of the Edmonton media, who's just useless. They won't just ask a question. They'll say, well, uh, Maybe you could uh, talk about maybe what happened uh, in the third
0: period. Yeah. It's like, what is that shit? You're getting paid for that? You know, the funny thing is we go on and I don't want... I are unscripted. Want, it's okay. Okay, oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot. Um, I think, you know, here's one guy, Tortorello, that might have enjoyed more than anybody I've ever known, especially in the position that he was in as the one-time head coach of the New York Rangers and that unbelievable New York media. But I think he's one guy that enjoyed the media in New York, better than he did in certainly in Vancouver and so far what he's seen so far in Columbus I think he might be one of the guys because those there's so many New York guys I mean we could fill up with both of our houses we could fill up the media contingent for mm-hmm. a Rangers game at MSG and uh, I just think they like you say they just go in there ask a question move on well,
1: the funny thing that, what that reminds me of, and it actually ties into a story I saw today, was that famous exchange years ago with Tortorella and Larry Brooks, the New York Post. Yeah. Guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. <laughs> 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 well, I might as well leave then. Huh? Well, get the fuck out of here then. I will. Okay, see ya. You know? And then there's that other one that is standing right beside each other. will not you just get out of here? No, I won't. And, God, Larry Brooks looks like such a fucking putz. Anyway, <laughs> but he did break interesting news today. And again, this is unscripted. So this is, I like where this is going. But uh, this this surprised me a bit. Larry Brooks reported, reported, I believe it was this morning, that Steve Iserman is interested in being the GM of the New York Rangers. Really? Yeah, and I th- I thought this was like Detroit or bust. Whoa. You know maybe go home to BC or want to be there. But, uh, you know, and I'm sure Edmonton would love to have Iserman, but I don't think they're getting him. It's not a big enough market now. No, I don't see them getting him. But the fact that he could go to the Rangers was very interesting. Well, you know what
0: they always say, and it goes back to the famous song from the one and only uh, native of Hoboken, New Jersey, Mr. Frank Sinatra, is if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And uh, I think Iserman, after what he's done, obviously in Tampa Bay, 62 wins this year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations. We'll have more on them later. But uh, I think Iserman's ego now probably would like to see if he could bring a championship back to New York City with the Rangers.
1: Well... Our own Vancouver bureau chief Sean Dode, who I freely admit is more knowledgeable about hockey than I am, he I asked him recently who were the top three GMs in the NHL, and he, without hesitation, had Iserman in the top three. Of um, well, I guess this was when he was still uh, when he was still running Tampa. But anyway, yeah, Iserman has really done a great job. Always been a real serious, thoughtful guy. And uh, yeah, he's just, he did a great job and look what, look, look how Tampa is doing now. I mean, just incredible. So yeah, I think maybe to transpose your Sinatra phrase to the NHL these days, it might be if you can build that Tampa team, then maybe you can make it in New York. And I think that's what Eisman wants to find out. But anyway, getting back to Connor here. So I mentioned one quote about thinking his uh, leg was literally in two pieces And he did, by the way, talk with Giordano after, and he just said, yeah, like, look, there's nothing wrong with what you did. That wasn't dirty or anything like that. No, you know what? I, you
0: know, and I, I've, I've seen that play now many, many times and, and Giordano was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I I can't say anything ill will toward uh, the captain of the floodplain flames.
1: Okay. But anyway, besides that issue, there's two things I do want to talk about with Connor based on quotes that he said, I believe this morning. And so I'll, I'll, I'll serve them up to you and you can see uh, what you think about them. So uh, he was asked about his hard driving style of play, which, of course, led to the injury. And he said, they pay me a hundred million dollars to play my game. Part of my game is beating guys wide and going to the net. I'll have to give Daryl his money back if I stop doing that. I'm not doing that.
0: Oh, my God. That is so refreshing to hear um a guy that knows what his strengths are knows what he brings to the team and what his value is and uh i just i've gained a little bit more respect for number 97 i'm very impressed with this young man
1: yeah i love that quote like I'll that's get, that's that's wise beyond your years right well there. it's like they're giving me 100 million dollars like so many athletes just think they're just entitled to make that kind of money doing anything and he's like no like they pay me to do this so if i don't do that they get their money back that's it right so i love that too anyway <sighs> Toronto media. <laughs>
0: oh God, here we go.
1: I don't know if you saw this week. Some Yahoo was all about does Connor McDavid want to Edmonton? And you know what this is, right? So t- teams always, and especially the Toronto media, but other teams always, whenever they see someone or something they want, they try to think, hey, what if this happened? Maybe we'll get him and in their wild wet dream. They they <laughs> they acquire Connor McDavid or whatever. So because I remember actually when the Oilers won the Connor McDavid sweepstakes. So they won the draft lottery but hadn't drafted him yet in 2015. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember media, I went to the front page of this one hockey site and it said should the Oilers trade down? Now, <laughs> the most slam dunk pick of the last Absolutely. few decades, Connor McDavid. Of any every single team, all thirty-one teams or thirty at the time would have taken Connor McDavid first overall and would not have considered trading. They asked Craig McTavish at the time, "What are your chat? What are the chances you would trade <laughs> McDavid or this pick?" And he said zero, or he either said zero or else he might have said less than zero. But I love McTavish anyway. By the way, but. uh but that's what media does. They'll say, oh, yeah, well, you guys need a lot. Yeah, maybe you trade down. Like, and inside there, they know that they would never trade down if they were in charge of their team and they had McDavid as a pick. Right. But, uh, but they will like, oh, maybe you need to trade down. Like, it's just so stupid and just so selfish and just... It's actually very solipsistic. How about that one? Ooh. Ooh. The self is everything. Anyway, so I just, I can't stand that stuff. So anyway, some Yahoo in Toronto media uh, this week was saying like, does Connor McDavid want out of Edmonton? Maybe he's frustrated. And everyone in the Edmonton media who knows him just said... That is stupid. There's obviously no sources to this. McDavid is not like that. He would never think that. If he was going to be like that, he would have been like that a long time ago already. That's just not it at all. So, this is all leading to what he said today. They asked him about being frustrated, and his quote this morning was, "...lots has already been said about what I said in Vegas, but I'd be a complete loser if I wasn't frustrated." You know, it's frustrating personally. It's frustrating as a group. We want to be in the playoffs. We want to be competing late in the season. That's not where we are. So we've got, to, uh, we've got some stuff to figure out. But uh, I, I love that quote as well. I'd be a complete loser if I wasn't frustrated. And that's absolutely true. And I don't think McDavid wants to go anywhere. because Even if he didn't like other things, I think he's just not the type of guy well, to cut bait and run at all. He
0: signed on the dotted line for the long term in Edmonton to bring a championship back to Edmonton. And that seems to me, with that, is what his sole focus is. And uh, I'm very appreciative that this young man has got such a bright future. But not only that, his parents deserve some of the credit for what a fine young man they raised. Holy shit. Yeah, and you you can really see the ownership
1: he takes as the captain and as the leader of the team. Because he doesn't say, well, I hope management, you know, makes some moves. His quote was, we're going to get it right. We... We. We're oh, going to yeah. get it right. Yeah. We're going to get it right. Yeah. And it's it's an uphill battle. I, I really would have liked to have seen what would have happened this year. if Even if nothing else had been different, if just Sakura and Bum had been healthy the whole year, I am absolutely 100% convinced they would have made the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And your goaltender, if he played like he did last night... Uh, yeah Koskinen Koskinen you've been talking about him all year he, I know that yeah. but my lord he looked really nice last night when he plays well yeah. he is amazing
1: he but then other really, times
0: he looked like a difference maker last night
1: he really is and he's huge and he's good his only his real weakness everyone knows is his glove hand but he did have his glove hand did look okay last night that's uh but goalies these days aren't really about the you know grand fear Dominic Kashik reflexes it's more I'm six foot seven and I just square myself in the puck has to hit me because mm-hmm. it can't anywhere else Mm -hmm. and I I I know that that's how it goes and and that makes me sad honestly but Koskinen seems like a good guy and a good goalie and uh you know Trelli's final deal of course was signing Koskinen and just to weigh more money as our uh as as Sean made the case that uh the uh Penguins signed their backup goalie who had virtually the same stats for slightly better and uh, they signed him for about a third of the cost Mm -hmm. or less so it, it was an overpay but uh, that's a long thing in Edmonton. It's sort of like the Mike Glennon thing with the Bears, where it's like, oh well, you just pay this guy this much because that's what starters make. No, you pay him what you have to based on the market, you idiot, right. Ryan Pace. But anyway, I'm just, uh, I really wish that uh, Sekera and Clefbaum would have been healthy. And uh, other than that, um, I, I think they would have made it. But also, let's uh, send a big congratulations to Leon Dreisaitl last night. Fifty goals could
0: have had fifty one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know that Gordie Howe never scored 50 goals in a season?
0: I didn't know that, actually. I'm yeah. surprised I did know that. Yeah. Yes, I, I did know that.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. So, And that's back in the day when goalies were nothing compared to what they are now. And the other thing that I found interesting about Leon's 50 goals, uh, zero empty net goals this year.
0: All 50 beat a goalie. You know what I was most surprised about last night? I never knew this. How big Dreisaitl is. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Oh, he's a big dude. Oh, he's huge. Yeah. They interviewed him. Scott Oak interviewed him between periods when he got his fiftieth goal to get past that unbelievable uh stanchion, if you will. Um and I never realized how big Dry Saddle is. Holy And t- of course he's he's on skates there, whatever. Well, I get that, but you can t- but the shoulders, I mean he's just a big man. I just never realized how big a man he is. That's you know. Well yeah, but I'm that's... not into looking at men. But uh <laughs> when I saw when I saw him last night, um, that's really one of the f- very first times I've ever heard Dry Saddle speak. But to see him physically, yes, he's on, you know, he's on skate blades. Um, was kind of happy to see that Johnny Goudreau ended up one point short. Oh, I loved that. Um, I'm telling you, I'm telling you folks, I'm telling you this right now. And, and I know you're going to say, Mike, you're, you're, you're going on this too much. I'm telling you right now that the first seated flames in the West are going to have problems. In this last 10 games of the season, their offense has been shut down by a backup goaltender in Los Angeles one night, in Calgary. They were shut down by some guy after Ben Bishop got hurt. They were shut down against Dallas. Now, Dallas is a playoff team, but still. And uh, last night, they couldn't generate any offense against the Edmonton goaltender. So for a team that uh, has aspirations on a long playoff run, um, somewhere they've got to find more offense from that first line. Because if that first line of Sean Monaghan, Johnny Gaudreau, and the guy from Carolina, Heff, Hef, whatever the hell his name is, uh, if they don't produce, Calgary's offense is zip. And uh, it could be a short stay. I think they get past Colorado. But ultimately... If let's say they have to play a Vegas or a San Jose, or a Winnipeg, in the next round, um, I think the, the Flames might have trouble getting out of the second round. But I don't know. That's yeah, just, I mean, that's I mean. just my opinion. Their goaltending is not good, is not championship worthy. Let's say they've got two adequate goaltenders. They don't have a star. I'll say this till the day this season is over. They should have addressed the goaltending situation by the All Star, excuse me, by the trade deadline, and. Their scoring, if they don't get that first line, their secondary scoring is non-existent. And uh, that's going to be a problem moving forward for the Flood Plain Flames. While we're talking about
1: the NHL, could we talk about the Kings briefly? Why not? Yeah, all right. Sounds good. So, uh, our buddy Ryan, uh, Ryan Hall on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash unscripted MC, had some nice comments in response to the last time we talked about the LA Kings last week. So I uh, I thought I'd just use his I read concert. those they're nice. Yeah. Did you? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I so can just read. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just some highlights here. I agree the Kings are rebuilding. They don't need to completely dis- 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 disassemble the team. Kopitar and Doughty can still be productive players. Campbell Peterson are good younger goaltenders. Willie Desjardins is a complete idiot. Uh, he better not be back next season. Uh, well Ryan doesn't agree with Ko- Kovalchuk's contract, he says he's playing not bad, for, but uh, not six-plus million dollars good. Yeah. And uh, when you put him on a when line... you're at
0: six million dollars plus... I don't think you're a healthy scratch five games in a row.
1: Yeah, but then they should also, uh, according to Ryan, not put him on a line with Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford, and Johnny Brudzinski for six to seven minutes a game and expect him to do anything. So... uh yeah, I, I it's hard to argue with that. But I, I think this backup goalie as you call him, like Jack Campbell, I think he's the real deal. Like as oh, a, I do too. As a first round pick, I, I think I, I do too. Yeah, but they need to get rid of quick, hundred yeah. percent. And uh, and Willie Desjardins, I always Willie Desjardins was yeah. always
0: an interim coach anyway. I mean I think so, yeah. I think if let's just say when they made the change and got rid of John Stevens, if they could have brought you know and at that at that time Quenville was still under the employ of the Chicago Blackhawks, but If they were going to bring in a permanent, they would have done it right then and there. I think Willie Desjardins was just there for the season to play out the schedule. But uh, interesting works. Thank you, Ryan, for your comments. But I think we should probably... We've got some breaking news in the National Hockey League. And, you know, the day after is always, you know, like the morning after pill, you know. Um, We... uh, I'm just sitting here scribbling here, and I'm sitting here. This year in the National Hockey League, we've had coaches get fired, and this is off the top of my head. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ottawa, L.A., St. Louis, Edmonton, Chicago, Philadelphia, Anaheim. So right there, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, we've got two more on Sunday morning, and what, both of them, both of them surprise me for different reasons, though. And I'll have Chris, obviously, make comment on this. But I am I'm wondering, you know, I used to thought, think, thought, whatever, that Dale Tallian, general manager of the of Florida Panthers, but most synonymous with his years as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks front office, mm-hmm. I thought he was smarter than this. Can you imagine trying to coach a Florida Panthers team that... You know, they're playing in front of eight people on a nightly basis. Um, very difficult. Um, and here's a guy, Bob Bugner, who went 77, 62, and 22 in two seasons with Florida. And he's out of a job on Sunday morning. I'm surprised by that. Conversely, Phil Housley was let go this morning by the Pegulia family in Buffalo. But that doesn't surprise me because the Peculias are screwing up both of their professional franchises, the Sabres and the Buffalo Bills in the national football league. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And I think that there needs to be something when people, uh, I don't know if they're doing a, you know, memorandum of understanding or whatever, but when they make a, a, a plea to buy or purchase a sports franchise, they should have a little bit of knowledge about running a sports franchise team. And I don't think the Paguyas have that in Buffalo. I think they're just idiots. And Phil Housley, I was just saying to Chris before we went on air, the Buffalo Sabres were here early in the season. I think it was late October, early November, and they were in the middle of a 10-game win streak. And they came into Calgary and beat the Flames, and I think that might have been their 10th successive win. I don't know. But I remember early in the year they had a 10-game win streak, and everybody thought the world was great, and Phil Housley was going to win Jack Adams, and Jack Eichel was going to win the Hart Trophy, and everybody was in love with everybody, and kumbaya. Well, four or five months later, Housley's out of a job, and I think overall, and I'd be interested in your comments, I think Housley, with what he had to work with, especially a prima donna prick like Jack Eichel, I think Housley, a Hall of Fame defenseman, he did a pretty good job in Western New York.
1: I've always liked Phil Housley. He's one of the best players in NHL history, easily one of the best American players ever in NHL history, and one of the best ever, certainly one of the best defensemen ever, uh very easily one of the top offensive defensemen Mm -hmm. ever. Uh, Always really liked Phil Housley. Always seemed, and I always thought he would transition well to coaching and I think he has and I think he still will in the future. And I think you're right about the Pegulas. Playing playing for the Buffalo Sabres, or should I say coaching, I guess, in this case, it seems about as appealing as going to the Bengals at this point. You have a a crazy weird owner. You have a team that looks like it's going to suck unless someone pulls a miracle. And except it's actually worse. This would be like if you were going to coach the Bengals now that Marvin Lewis has been let go and you still have Mike Brown running things, but let's say you still had Vontez Burfict and Pac-Man Jones and they were co-captains because because <laughs> that's that's, that's what you have with Jack Eichel. Like yeah. Jack Eichel, this is not going to help his early reputation as a coach killer by any means and a locker room cancer. Jack
0: Eichel should be reading these comments that were posted by Connor McDavid and talk about leadership and manning up. That's something Jack Eichel could learn in in spades from Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is the ultimate total professional. Jack Eichel's still a young bitch. Yeah, absolutely and you can really
1: see the difference between the first and second overall picks in that draft. There was no doubt that Connor was better on the ice no matter what Jack Eichel said, but off the ice it's not even close. I mean, it's just uh, Connor towered over him back then and now as well. You know, it's funny
0: I think to kind of Echo some of your comments on Phil Housley. You know, Phil Housley's next coaching job in the National Hockey League, he's going to be a Jack Adams winner.
1: I, I absolutely could see that. Yes, that would make, and it would. It he's would be going so go cool to go to a
0: real NHL franchise, and he's going to be able to lead it the way he sees it needs to be led. And ultimately, he's going to win a Jack Adams in his next NHL stop.
1: I love that prediction. I, I, I would, uh, I would second that. I love. I think that's great. He's just, he's got that same sort of serious. Evenness to his personality, like a Steve Iserman like he's got that, or a Joe Sackick like he—they've just got that good disposition. But they're also thoughtful. It's almost like how a lot of goalies in hockey or uh, catchers in baseball become analysts because they've got that serious part, and they're always sitting back there looking mm-hmm. at the game. Mm-hmm. And he—and these guys have that, even though they're not goalies. And I, I think Phil Housley. I think this is a real lost opportunity. But I mean, to my bigger point, who is going to want? to go and coach the Buffalo Sabres now. Exactly. When, when you have a crazy owner and a coach killer as the big leader with the franchise player, like, it's just a night. Nice, it look, it's like some sort of high school movie or something. It's, it's like varsity blues on ice or something. And it's just like, it's just all this drama. And you don't, I. it would be so unappealing. And it's, and it's already Western New York. I mean, jeepers. I don't know. I've never even been there. Like, have you, I'm sure you've been to Buffalo. No. Before. You no, haven't. You've never no. been to Buffalo in your life. Well,
0: when I was in the radio business, um, yes, that was in the midst of the four years of successive Super Bowls for the Buffalo Bills, but I always saw the Bills at the Super Bowl. Okay. I didn't want to go to Buffalo. It's cold in October in Buffalo.
1: That's not that far from Wisconsin
0: overall. Other side of Lake Erie. Yeah. But it's just, I, I had, no, I. No, There's no reason I, to go. There was no reason to go. I, you knew that you'd see Buffalo in the post season and, and, uh. I just uh, never made it to Buffalo. I've been to New York City, but I've never made it to Buffalo, and uh, I think I'm probably better off that I haven't been there. Um, we've got a ton of things to talk about, and uh, we've got a. I want to go through the uh, NHL playoffs, the teams that are in, and some of the teams that are not. You know, they're of the original six teams in the National Hockey League. There are only two that are being represented this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins are the only two original six. How can you have a playoffs? Think about this. Have a Stanley Cup playoffs A without Bob Cole. <laughs> I'll get to that later. But B, no Chicago Blackhawks, no Detroit Red Wings. Detroit made the made the made the postseason party 25 years in a row. Now they've missed the last two. No LA Kings, no Anaheim Ducks, no Philadelphia Flyers. No New York Rangers, no New Jersey Devils. Hmm. Times they are changing But I do want to real quick, because we've got other episodes to get to on this week's, of sh- week's editions of shows here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. I want to talk about the National Communists Against Athletes and the National Championship game and men's basketball scheduled for Monday night in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Chris and, my, Chris and myself both picked the Virginia Cavaliers to take home the championship. Virginia still has a shot to do that. I guess Chris and I know what we're talking about. I do have to make comment on two controversial calls at the end of the basketball game that ultimately allowed the Virginia Cavaliers to survive the national semifinal against the Auburn Tigers. And I, I do need to say this to Bruce Pearl and his team of underachievers from Auburn, Alabama. Good on you. You guys never gave up. You were down 10 points with five minutes to go. You came back, took the lead, and had a chance to win, obviously. You're up three with .6 seconds left on the clock, and the kid makes three t- three free throws to win 63-62. to 62. Now, at the end of that game, the kid that made the three free throws, he did get fouled. There's no question about it. The kid that was defensing, number 10 from Auburn, jumped into him. His feet... And I thought Gene Steratore, who's now become a TV star, just like Tony Rome, Tony Romo, excuse me. um, Gene Steratore described it perfectly. The kid left when he, when he started his jump, he left one left from one spot. And when he landed, he ended up in another spot and he moved closer to the kid that was shooting the ball. His name was Guy. I don't know his first name. Doesn't matter. Congratulations to him. But that was a foul. The one that. Bruce Pearl at Auburn is going to have nightmares about till the start of next basketball season is the double dribble at the midcourt by number 11 from Virginia. He double dribbled. He the ball he was dribbling behind his back, the ball hit his calf. He went and got the ball, but right there when he when he possessed the ball again, he shouldn't have been able to start dribbling again, which he did. That should have been a double dribble call right there and we would have never even had the uh, theatrics at the end. So some good refereeing on that final shot, poor refereeing with the double dribble call with the kid, number 11 from, from uh, Virginia. But a Wisconsin native, Tony Bennett, is 40 minutes away from winning a national championship for the Virginia Cavaliers. So who do you think I'm rooting for on Monday? <laughs> sure as hell not Texas Tech, but uh congratulations to both of them. Virginia has been installed as a slight one-point favorite for tomorrow night's game in Minneapolis.
1: Sure, yeah, Texas Tech has looked great. I saw on uh, Twitter, I had, I had liked it in case we uh, didn't get to it until Freeform Friday, but they showed a picture of somebody, it looked like a Westgate ticket, because I think it said Superbook and had WG on it. It must have been from the Westgate in Vegas. But somebody put $1,500 on, last uh, November, $1,500 on Texas Tech to win 20000
0: <laughs>
1: So their $1,500 will turn into three hundred grand plus their money back if they win that game. <laughs> I think they'll be watching the game <laughs> with with a lot of interest. Yeah. So anyway, whoever's got that ticket, good for you. Plus twenty thousand. That's a heck of a futures bet to cash. So wow. Uh, I I I'll, I don't even know who that is, and I'll be happy for that guy. If Absolutely. I, oh man, what I'll a, be
0: jealous of the bastard what too. A, what <laughs> a
1: great bet. But yeah, as a as another preview for Freeform Friday on Fanatics View at Fanatics View, Auburn's Bryce Brown says, "Quote: The NCAA needs some new refs after Auburn's loss, and this was as they were walking to the locker room." Yeah. and yeah it's really I, I don't know i don't know if there is a way to get more objective on a lot of this i do like gene steritor's comments and he was my favorite nfl ref for many years i don't know if most people have a favorite nfl ref but i do or i did and it was red Gene cash Steritor. oh yeah i don't, I don't know who nah, who that was is, before your time sure yeah but red cash
0: and yeah. used to he was the guy that would always want to signal a first down he'd go he'd clap his hands go First down! That was really
1: cool. didn't know him, but yeah, Gene Steratore I always loved. I always liked how they had Gene Steratore do that Baltimore-Cleveland Thursday game, the first one after the fake refs or whatever mm-hmm. and uh he and, and all the players afterwards like wow that was so efficient those guys knew what they were doing they kept the game moving They had their stuff and it was so decisive a lot of people don't know that gene sterator was an ncaa That's college correct. basketball ref for 30 years and so he does know what he's talking about in both sports mm-hmm. and i think he's great and other than the folded index card which i didn't like in the nfl <laughs> other than that I always loved gene sterator and uh, yeah, he's he's brilliant, and he is a guy that you can put on TV. I like how we are seeing now former refs, and then they get tried out as analysts and rules analysts on TV, and you get to see that, hey, some of these guys are actually really good, some of these guys are total hacks, and I thought so, because... Greg and I used to watch Mike Carey all the time and say, this idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. So then they put him in the booth and the guy doesn't know a thing and he no. gets exposed and it's embarrassing. But you have guys like Gene Steratore, like Mike Pereira, who get in there and are just brilliant. Dean Blandino, who are just excellent. Like These guys know their stuff. These are legitimate professionals who deserve to be out there and you should have the best in the world on these sports broadcasts when you have millions of dollars to pay an analyst for two minutes of airtime. I think that's great. Gene Steratore absolutely deserves to be on TV and that's a great call. Mike Carry does not, and I th- I think he was already let go. Oh, he's it. gone. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sterator replaced him at at CBS. Oh,
1: okay, good. Yeah, because Kerry was terrible, and especially after Fox did such a good job with Pereira, and Pereira was just amazing. Yeah, uh, you had to get you had to step up, and you had that's to get a, someone. That's a that's
0: a pretty solid CBS booth now, in regard to Nance, Romo, and Gene Sterator. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, on the NFL side, and then of course on the college basketball side, Nance, uh, Coach Bill Raftery. Grant Hill, and Gene Steratore. Uh Very well done. When very you well done.
1: And then when you compare that to uh, the nursery school over at uh, ESPN, yeah. <laughs> whatever the hell that is, <laughs> the little guy in his plate oh, a guy named Booger in his playpen, okay. obstructing views like, holy shit, ESPN. It was ESPN. so bad,
0: Jason Witten had to go back to football practice.
1: Holy shit, ESPN, you guys. And it was so...
0: And you know what? It was bad. Uh, for, I'm sorry, but no, I, a, it was bad from the beginning in regard to Sean McDonough did not do a bad job. No he didn't. No. I mean right. it was very difficult following Tarico and Gruden. Yes. And I don't think it was fair what they did to Sean McDonough. Now I'm biased toward Sean McDonough because his father, the legendary Will McDonough from the Boston Globe, who who was the, one of the original insiders of the NFL, mm. and Will uh, Will McDonough was on my program down in the states every week. We always had a segment every Monday. Oh and uh I have great respect for him that's how I first met Sean McDonough answering the phone at the McDonough family when my producer would call and see if his dad was ready and and uh I think ESPN totally screwed that up and I think if I was if if I'm Sean McDonough and I know getting to call big time games it's it's a very small fraternity but I think Sean McDonough considering he's done a World Series for CBS. He's done all the big. He's done all the big sports. I wish Sean McDonough would have had. It's not the balls, but I just wish he would have told ESPN to go get fucked. I really do. I wish. I just wish he was treated so poorly um, at, at ESPN on the on his demotion and bringing in Joe Tessitore and the tight end and Booger just did not work. It just did not work, and Sean McDonough was a classy enough individual to just kind of move on to his assignments, doing college football for ESPN. But that just shows the class guy that he is.
1: It didn't just not work; it was car crash bad, and it was a weekly cavalcade. I didn't go to church this morning. I'm trying to be of
0: incompetence. It was
1: it was just terrible, and this is with you know Joe Tessitore being whatever, uh, and this is with. Jason Witten, seeming like a really nice guy, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, yeah nice guy, but he couldn't do a broadcast. No,
1: but but he shouldn't have been thrust into the limelight well, in the ma- main event, his well, first job. And
0: you know what? He can blame his for his former quarterback for that. Sure. Because now Romo has set the bar so fucking high that anybody that comes off of the sidelines into the broadcast booth is going to be compared to Tony Romo now. Yeah. And you can't do that. That's
1: yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, but no, I, I like what you're talking about with the... Uh, uh with the whether it's the chemistry the knowledge the or even the sound of the voice which is a big thing for me which because Mike Tarico isn't just the best he his voice is so good and just and the way he's got that he puts enthusiasm not like Jim Ross calling wrestling anything, but he puts Enthusiasm into it, but it's almost understated. Like, and he's in for the touchdown. Like, it, it's, but it's, it's not contrived. It's, it's not, not forced. Over the, it's, it's understated. It's understated, but it's also not. It's not fake in any way. Like, he's legitimately enthusiastic. But it's it's great. Like Mike Tirico is great. They should not have let him go for any reason. Like Mike Tirico should still be. No matter what happened. Like John Gruden still would have left for his hundred million dollar ten year deal. Yeah. But and that's fair. And and I mean I used to watch sometimes Monday Night Football just for Tirico and Gruden. I didn't care what else was going on. Yeah. I just yeah. I loved everything about that team. And I know John Gruden's a pretty unique dude and tough to replace. But you should have kept Tirico. You should never have gotten anyone named Booger or you 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 call him Anthony. You refuse to yeah. play along with this shit. yeah
0: leave the booger stuff in the locker room i
1: would never have called him that that's just unbelievable and uh well it's not even from the locker room that's from his mom i but when he's like two like it's, it's just, it, well yeah sure consider the source that's a festival mrs of,
0: mcfarlane isn't uh, on the rocket scientist list trying to get into harvard it's, it's a festival of uh, therapy probably waiting for uh, <laughs>
1: anthony back uh, back home but yeah anyway it, 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 it's just unex, inexcusable. And so, yeah, they should still have Tariko with a uh, someone else, else. some big personality. You know, who's the next John Madden, John Gruden? I don't know, but you need to find that because that's your job. You don't need some guy in a gimmicked thing going back and forth, obstructing people's views who have paid tons of money. You don't need three-man booths. I hate three-man booths. They're stupid. Just two guys. You should have kept Tirico. Get someone else who's a big personality and knows what they're talking about, and that's it. But this does tie in when I, I just love the sound of Mike Tirico's voice. Here's what our buddy, once again, Ryan Hall, had to say. And is it? Oh, uh, if I think we have time to. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. So let's go on to this because I know this is coming up at some point here anyway. So uh, Ryan Hall uh, says, I agree that there is something iconic about Bob Cole, but the NHL playoffs without Bob Cole is like the NHL playoffs without Wayne Gretzky. They both had their day. They're both legends. And they now both lack the ability to do properly what made them legends. It is a disservice to the fans to have him calling the game when saying wrong names, not knowing why the play is being stopped, and generally just seeming to not understand what is going on anymore. So I said back to him, I just said, well written, Ryan, you're right about your technical analysis, but people just want to hear an announcer with a vocal timbre that elevates the aura of the moment.
0: You know what? I I would never get into a verbal spat with Ryan in regard to technical issues because I can't even spell technical. But I'm talking about a legend and I'm not even a Canadian. I'm a dual, Uh, but I have such respect for Bob Cole because in this day and age, does anybody last 50 years doing the same damn job? No, no, we don't. I learned a lot from Chris here, saying by the time you're, I don't remember what number he gave me, but you're going to have a many a plethora of different jobs. I'd just like one. But to do something for 50 years, put the technical stuff aside. A lot of people in this generation of Canadians, and if you're in the northern tier United States on a clear night, I would hear Bob Cole. And um, in Wisconsin, we'd hear Bob Cole on a clear night. And a lot of Canadians that are my age, in our mid-50s, have grown up watching, or listening, and to, watching too, have listened and grown up to Bob Cole. And no, he's not perfect. No question he's not perfect. But let me ask you. This side of Mike Teresa, Mike Terrico, and maybe Al Michaels, and Joe Buck's mother who is perfect in the broadcast booth certainly not uh uh what's the idiot name that teams with Craig Simpson that I hate uh, Jim Houston Jim Houston isn't perfect Jim Houston if you listen to him and I would debate this with you Ryan with all respect to you is that Jim Houston to me still sounds, and I've been here 23 years in October, I've been listening to a lot of Jim Houston when he was first, when I first was introduced to him as the voice, television voice of the Vancouver Canucks. I still feel like Jim Houston is calling a Canucks game. You almost think all of a sudden that Pavel Burry is going to come off outside on the right wing and take a pass from uh, Trevor Linden and somebody's going to score. I know that Jim Houston and Craig Simpson as the number one CBC team have done their time and they deserve that, I guess, they deserve that ascendancy up to the number one job. But I think in this country that is so embedded in the game of hockey and they're so knowledgeable about every aspect of the game of hockey that you could find a playoff series for Bob Cole to be a part of. What a way to send Bob Cole... In his fiftieth year of hockey night in Canada, what a way in a first round series to have Bob Cole do the Pittsburgh—excuse me—to do the uh, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. That would be the way to do it. Now I know uh, the other two limp-dicks are going to get that series because it involves the Toronto Maple Leafs, but there's got to be a, a, a series in the first round. That's all I'm asking for in the first round. There's got to be a series for a legend like Bob Cole.
1: Yeah, and I'd actually take it one step further. And I know because Bob Cole, I think, is 85 and Harry he Neal's is. 82. But I would love to have, if it was me in charge, I would have tried to get at the very least this final game, if not a whole first round series with Bob Cole and Harry Neal reunited. Yeah. And you have the whole Bob Cole calling the action. Then you have Harry Neal chime in during the breaks in the action, like, and he takes the shot from 18 feet out, and then and then he takes it from 22 feet out, and like, you just, uh, you know, and it's, it's so iconic, and it just, I, I think people, it just brings back memories. It's almost like how... It's a comfort thing. It really is. It's, it's a
0: comfort thing. You feel comfortable, regardless if he screws up some guys from Russia's name. The guy's mother from Russia screws up his name. They're so damn hard with all those different consonants in there. It's got to be difficult. It'd be difficult for a guy that's 25 or 35, much less a guy that's 85. But if there's a comfort thing. There's a there's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of, of everything's right in the world when you hear Bob Cole doing a fucking hockey game. And that's my thing. You had, I mentioned this to Chris, Louis DeBrusque was doing the... Um, flames and the oilers game on saturday night from the saddle dome and louis DeBrusque, they did a little segment in a in a you know in a, in a quick timeout or whatever television timeout commercial timeout and they did a little thing with louis DeBrusque when he was with a member of the oilers and he was in a fight with some guy and bob cole was on the call that game and bob cole was announcing and kind of you know giving his two cents and describing the action And Louis DeBrusque is a big guy. And during this broadcast yesterday, Louis DeBrusque started crying because of what this meant to him. One of the career highlights of Louis Louis DeBrusque's career. Now, is he on the Mount Rushmore of the Edmonton Oilers? Hell no. But Louis DeBrusque had a good, serviceable National Hockey League career. And here's a guy, tough guy, and he's crying in a game that he's he's, uh, announcing. From you know rink level, but he's crying because they put on a, a an old an old video bit of Louis Debrusque beating the shit out of somebody and Bob Cole describing it, and that Louis Debrusque after he dried his tears is talking about that was one of the career highlights of my career was to have Bob Cole commentate on that fight because he beat the crap out of somebody, but if you've got big tough guys like that. Bob Cole gets is more than just into your into your mind. Bob Cole gets into your soul. He gets into, I mean, I'm rattling on about this guy and I've never met him. And I have that much respect for him. I've met Tariko. I've met a lot of the guys that we talk about on this program in regard to US-based broadcasters. I would love it to be able to meet Bob Cole. I really would. I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity, obviously, but that's one guy I'd like to meet. And again, not to sound repetitive, but I'm gonna stick on this until the cows come home. There's a place for Bob Cole in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoff.
1: There sure is a place for Bob Cole. And I like my Harry Neal idea. And those two, and especially Bob, still to this day, are really comfort food for the ears. And yeah. i mean, you know, they're they're gonna be missed. Yeah, like when you hear them, you just it's like it's Saturday night and you're decades younger. And it's like around Christmas and you look out the window and the windows are frosted up and there's kind of a glow inside and it's just and supper is like cooking and it's just it's that and people miss that and uh, we
0: might never get that back again. I wouldn't be a hockey fan today without Bob Cole. Really? It's that simple. Bob Cole to me, and I don't know if this reverberates with anybody else out there, but for me, Bob Cole taught me the game of hockey. He made it understandable to me. I understood about offsides. I understood about being in the goalie goal mouth. I understood about a back check and a forecheck. I didn't know that shit when I came to Canada 23 years ago. But listening to Bob Cole and Harry Neal, I picked it up. Because Bob Cole didn't drive his broadcast to educate everybody, but yet he did in a very subtle way. He made it, he didn't make it, you know, elementary, but he made it where everybody was on the same level and everybody understood. And he didn't disrespect the guys like Ryan and Chris and the guys that know the game. He didn't take it down to the idiot level, but he made it understandable for everybody that wasn't on the same level as a Ryan or a Chris or the guys that are a part of Unscripted. And that's the beauty of it. And that's what I don't think a lot of people understand. Again, throw the technical shit out the window. I screw up names all the time. I screw up Chris's name. um, And I can tell you, fluke is a lot easier to say than Vasilevsky. I can tell you that right now. We got to run, folks. We've gone long, but who cares? We're unscripted. We've got uh, a number of episodes yet to do. I still want to get to the... The uh, playoffs in the National Hockey League. The teams have been set. Um, it's going to be a fun first round. Um, the best one I'm looking forward to is San Jose Vegas, and I'm going to be in Vegas next week. God damn it! Bring it on. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. We've still got some things to talk about uh, in regard to dumb owners in the National football uh, in Major League Baseball. Excuse me. Got a few stories about the, uh, Major League Baseball revolving around Opening Day tomorrow at Fenway Park. I'll just, that's a little teaser for you for episode 339, but as for episode number 338 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we've got to run. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.